With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This, this, this is, 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 is Fight Disciples. We are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. Welcome to Fight Disciples. This is the big interview, and I'm delighted to say, a dear friend of mine, listen, we go way back. Let's do this story, in fact. Do Let's do story. this story before we start. In studio with me, I'm delighted to say this week, UFC welterweight star Danny Hot Chocolate Roberts, fighter, model, businessman, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> He ticks all the boxes. If you follow Dan on Instagram, you can see he's got his game all over the place. Things are going well, mate. Outside the octagon, at least, things are going absolutely brilliantly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll come on to inside the octagon because it hasn't been playing sailing recently. But before we do, let's tell the story of how we met, first met each other. Yeah, it's it a long one, wasn't it? Um, right, no, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with or go on the side of us with our dogs. Yeah, man. Yeah. So Sefton Park, I first moved up here. I must have been up here for like, what, two, uh, two years, I think, at the time. I was boxing. And you would know me from the boxing circuit because you was a part of that mm-hmm. whole kind of scene. Um, you were reported right at the time, right? Yeah, yeah. For the Echo. Liverpool Echo. And yeah. Liverpool Echo, I remember that. So take my dog down to Sefton Park on a, on, a, on a daily basis in the morning, in the afternoon. Um, and, yeah, we just we bumped into each other. Our, our dogs done the, the initial meeting and then I think we as as owners kind of like you know just followed the noses and we bumped into each other yeah and like I say it was one thing after another I remember getting talking to you you had already known of me from the boxing and being up here um, and fighting one or two of the local lads we had spoke at the time um, and I think I was actually trying to make the transition sort of like 12 months later from continuously going to the park and seeing you time and time and time again making a transition to going to MMA I think I had a couple of fights Remember at the time you were actually having a conversation with me and saying to me, Danny, just stick it, you're doing well, you're doing good, you know, and I was hasty, I think at the time I was looking for sponsorships, I was looking to do this, I wanted to achieve this, I had this big idea and this image in my head of what I wanted to attain, it just wasn't there yet, you know, and I was only 23, 24 at the time, and I remember having the conversation with you, you told me to be patient, be calm, things are going to happen, um, and long story short, you went from the Echo to Fighters Only, and now you Fight Disciples. <laughs> I've gone and done my own thing, you know, Liverpool to Florida, UFC. Um, so yeah, we've both grown, but it's we've always we've always stayed in that connection, yeah, and, and, and in touch. And it's amazing to see. It's mad when you think back to when you were twenty three. Then, as you say, this is I think this is why we click so well because I could tell the way you were, you know, you you left where you'd grown up to move to Liverpool because you wanted this dream to happen. You wanted to become a professional fighter. You had ambitions to become a champion. And I think that's why we clicked straight away because I could see how much you wanted it. And then being around you during that transition where, you know, you're working so hard at boxing, but like anything, man, especially boxing, it's so political. If you don't have the right manager, you don't have the right promoter, don't have the right TV connections... Then you, after time, you get them thrown to the wolves, and you were yeah. frustrated by that. Yeah. Then you'd also seen a bit of this MMA world, and you were doing a bit of training at Next Gen or whatever. And you were like, you know what? I, I like the look of this world. And we were having that conversation. And next thing, you were in MMA, yeah. lighting the place up. And I was just like, <laughs> yeah, I can remember that. It was like, uh, Nick, should I, um, should I try this MMA scene thing, or what? What do, what do you think? I can remember having conversations where I was, I was kind of one foot in, one foot out. Yeah, I had the politics with the boxing um, again, which you knew of. Um, you more like you knew you knew the depth of my story because you know the, the line of work of what you did. Um, so, like I say, as it kind of fell apart, I understood the dynamic and what I had in front of me. All right, I'm the outsider. I'm the kid that's come from from down south. I'm, I'm now living in in Liverpool. No one really knows me too well here, so it's harder to have people backing you. You know, in every sense of the word, when it comes to the sport, it's something that you need. Yeah. So I can remember, yeah, going through that debate. Um, you being one of the people that I was speaking to at the time, and you, you, do you know what? You you actually had a bit of influence on me as well. Definitely. Good man, good. Listen, uh, the, the, to even hear you say that, and whether it's true or not, man, I appreciate it because now to see you compete in the UFC, 
I always think back to those times walking around Sefton Park with our dogs yeah. and you were like ready to take on the world yeah. but you wanted it now yeah. you were like I want the sponsorship deals I want the money I want the riches <laughs> hey, just <laughs> and I was let, like patience yeah man, just, just, to, just to let you know I, I was actually going to see Nick Nick was the guy that I was going and appealing to to try and get me some sponsorships I was like Nick this needs to happen now you know times are hard I'm broke this this that and the other and, you know my man's just telling me to be uh, be patient and things things will come in good time. No, but seriously, you was part of the group of people that helped me get and make that transition, at least decide yeah. and actually start to pursue it because I was a very affluent young young man and I had, I had like you say, put all my eggs into one basket, I had big dreams. Um, and that's something now, look, being, being a little bit older and being where I am, looking back, that would that would be one of the main attributes I'd want to see in my son. Yeah. Because I know that when you've got that unleveled, unchallenged amount of ambition and, and you know, work ethic towards something, and anything can be achievable because I didn't just come from nothing. I came from negative. I had less than the average person. So it's like then having to come past that and then grow all by yourself, it takes a certain attribute, which that was one of the main things that I possessed at that age and, and that time in my life. Um and it's, it's yeah, one hundred percent. It's paid. It's paid a dividend, you know. Yeah. Um. So, like I say, that be that'd be definitely one thing that I would want to see within my boy, growing up. Even even when you were a young man, no, you, you were always. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say necessarily educated in terms of exams and results and whatever else, but you were always you always had your head screwed on. You always mm. had a business brain. You always realised that fight sports, just like any other sport, is a business, and it's about getting in. It's about putting the work in and reaping the benefits of it. Even when you were a young man, you realised that as well. So, looking back to when you were a kid, at what point did you think I'm going to I'm going to become a prize fighter? Because I think with your mentality, you could easily have gone to university, to Cambridge, Oxford, whatever. If you mm. had that, if you just switched that way and gone, I want to be a doctor. I truly believe you could have become a doctor. You've got that in. You've got that work ethic in you. I think. Yeah, but to be fair, when I was in in school academically, I I, I done really well when I was young. Um, there was a time where I was gonna go. I was actually gonna go in for my exams in like year nine or something like that. And then A levels after that, um, there was like a small group of kids within this within our school that had been pulled to one side, and it was just we was excelling. Now at that time, it was my job to be the smartest kid in the room. It was my job to be the smartest kid in my street. It was my job to be the smartest kid in my little area in my in my estate. So I, I I put I put it and I made I made it I made it a part of me to to know everything that there was to know about everything. So if there was something I didn't know, I would question it. And I found that was something that as far as education, that, that, that got me to where I was at a young age. But then I also had a lot of life problems, mm -hmm. which channeled and built another sort of um, attribute in me, which I didn't realise I had. And as soon as I sort of zoned in on that and realised it and kind of found out that it could either be something that would become a problem and pull me down and hold me down, or I can work with it and make something from it. The easiest and the most straightforward thing was for me to do was combat sports of some sort. Um, boxing at the time was the thing that was in front of me, which then led on to MMA. Um, but as far as where it, it's put me in a mental and physical place um, and understanding with life, it's something that's settled me. So I'm glad that this is the path that I've chose. Yeah. I wouldn't have it any other way now, you know, because I feel that as much as, you know, physical attributes and stuff, the other things that can be gained from it, you know, the... Being back home right now since the last fight, the love and the respect that I've got for my closest friends and family, there's levels to that which I don't think you can ever appreciate as much as you could unless you did what we did. Yeah. Um, and it's just that that raw, spartan, brutal kind of being away from the family, going, going, going out, you're hunting, you're doing what you're doing, you know, you're going to battle, um, win, lose or draw, you understand the emotions that go with it, what goes into it, you know, the sacrifices. And then when you come home, you know, then people will be the ones that will be there and let you know that you're more or less like Superman to them, you know? You're superhuman, so it's, yeah, it's heartwarming stuff. And like I say, there's nothing that can really get as close to that feeling. Yeah. So for me, it's something that I would never change. When you were younger, as you say, you had a tough upbringing. Why did you, why did you go, go the way of wanting to be the smartest kid in the street, the hardest working kid in the street? What, what made you do that? Why didn't you go the other way, which is the easy way, and that's rebel? Who, yeah. put, who put that in you? <laughs> I'm going to shock you now, right? <laughs> there was a time when I actually wanted to be a barrister. 
And I, I was Are like, you go see. <laughs> I was like, you could have done anything. I was like nine years old, and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna be a barrister when I'm older. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'll be sending people down. I'm gonna be doing this, getting loads of money for it or whatever. I want like six figures and that. Um, but yeah, it just I don't know. It was it was like it's a cra- like crazy comparison and, and a, a kind of like they both conflict with each other massively, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but like I say, it wasn't it wasn't necessary that it was ever something that I neglected. You smarts or whatever. It was just something that I wanted to be. I, I hated, like I say, the situation I was in and where I was when I was younger and looking around me and seeing the poverty and understanding what was what. That was the way I was going to come out of it, was to be smart and was to become something and was to be one step ahead of people. But then, like I say, I got a little bit older and realised what I actually had could be turned into a sport and the sport could then bring me something else also. Yeah, that had its own kind of uniqueness to it. Yeah. So I was like, right, I can become another statistic or I can have something here which, you know, I'm, I'm going to thrive off and also it's going to be very, very exciting lifestyle, a yeah. roller coaster of anything, you know. Tried to prepare myself when I was young for certain things, the highs and the lows, but you, you, you never can, you know. You never, ever can until you're stood there, until you're like, you know, 20, 25,000 people, you're getting your hand raised or you're not getting your hand raised. So it's a whole different ball game when you're there, you know. What did you used to do when you were younger to prepare yourself for that? Did you just envisage it? Did you visualise it? Did you stand yeah. in the middle with your arm raised saying, <laughs> Danny Roberts, champion of the world? Yeah, it feels good, this. I like it. Yeah, no, I never did I never did anything like that. Um, but visualisation, yeah, to the, to the key, I've done, done that so much. Um, and it wasn't even necessarily something that I had to... And any, anyone who's a fighter will understand this as well. You don't have to, like, force that visualisation. It just happens. Your, your mind and your body's ridiculed with just these thoughts of combat sports and being the best and you know fighting and having 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 I don't know having a battle with someone and coming out on top like there's there's you you can't I don't think it's it's necessarily a case of visualization it's installed in you because it's just the way that you want to be mm. you're compelled to doing it you know so I go to bed I'd, be, I'd actually dream about it I'd like I close my eyes and lie on my bed and the second I close my eyes the same way I do when I go to fight week right now I'll be thinking of the person that I'm fighting and it stops me from sleeping at night in fight week it, that was exactly how it was when I was a little bit younger. I'd be going to bed, close my eyes, and just random guys would be popping up in my head, and I'd be fighting with them in my sleep. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, that that was something that like it was uh, a massive part of of my life when I was a kid. So I also find that that helped execute the game plan as well. Yeah, you you mentioned earlier about wanting to instill certain traits that you've got into your son now, but obviously your son no doubt comes from a completely different world than what you came from. Mm. So how are you, how are you managing that? How are you going about that? Well, that's a, that's a funny thing. Um, you even say that because the life, what I came from to the life which he comes from and is going to come from or have had come from, um, they're two completely different ends of the spectrum. And I believe that anything can be made up or installed with love. Love is the most powerful energy that we have in this world. So for me, understanding is a big, big thing. But as long as he's got the foundations and the structure growing up, he's going to have the capabilities to everything. Um, you can go two ways with it. You can either kind of get broken down or you can let it build you. Now, come on, we've, we've, we've seen it. Some people come from the most perfect home and they still end up only doing something or, you know, can go jail or do whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but with me, all you can do is, you, you know, you can just give your best shot and... and, and at least give the right foundations I understand now what having the wrong foundations can do I was lucky because I took the lead to make sure that it wouldn't be something that would drag me down now for 90% of people in my position it's a different story so 90% in the other on the, on the other end of the spectrum which is where my son is at right now it's a different story again for them mm-hmm. so I know I'm, I'm playing the percentages and the numbers are right you know I'm giving them the best opportunity the best, the best chance to be able to go out into this world and do whatever it is that he wants to do, yeah. and do it and know that know that his mum and dad loves him and that they're proud of him and they just want him to go and you know excel at whatever he does and have fun and enjoy his life. That's the most thing. Of course, does he does he understand dad's a prize fighter yet? Is he old enough yet to appreciate yeah, it? He's he's crazy with it. To be fair, he's um I've I've tried taking him to the gym, right? And he'll come to the gym. And he's good as gold. He'll sit there. He'll have have it like. You know, he, he comes out of his little pat lunch or whatever, and he'll sit there, be eating his, his stuff, and he'll be watching me fight, and he's besotted with it. Like, he won't take his eyes off of me. Um, and a few of the other lads as well, and he'll watch. And then what he'll do is he'll get excited, and he'll run over, and he'll try he'll try and get involved. I'll try and sit down. I'll try and educate him a little bit. Right, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. 
you give it two seconds, he's trying to headlock me and just run run around screaming, pulling my hair and stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm going to wait till the time's right. And then, like I say, another year or something like that. He's come up to four now, so I'm trying to introduce him when he's five or something like that. Mm-hmm. Concentration span's a little bit better. Um, other than that, I kind of want him to try everything. Yeah. You know? Everything, every sport you can think of, I want him to have the best opportunity. So if this sport is something that he chooses to do, whatever it should be, he will have that kind of, you know, a little bit of a head start. His, his body's already used to the movement and the, you know, physicalities of just just your body and anatomy and stuff like that. Some people aren't even aware of that when they get to PE when they're like 15, 16. Yeah. I've seen it when I was a kid. You know what I mean? It's just all about just communicate. They're physically active. Clay doesn't want to sit there and he doesn't want to watch a tablet or a phone. He'd rather play. He'd rather go outside and do something exciting. And that's because it's, that's what he's going to get shown as he, as, he, as he grows up and gets introduced to this world, you know? Yeah. If he wanted to be a, a fighter, would you encourage that? Or would you be like, here's a tennis racket, here's a, here's a set of golf clubs? Um, there's there's two, two ways with it, right? He's in a position that if he wanted to be a fighter, I, I could be the person that's there to facilitate and make it as easy as it possibly can be on the way up. Other than that, there's a million and one struggles. So I would say, yes, if you truly wanted to do it, do it. Because again, the whole freedom of choice, um, being able to to live this life, there's, there's, there's a weird kind of, I don't know, emotional feeling that goes with it, but it's, it's quite, you know, quite special. Yeah. And it's something that I'll take to my grave, knowing that, you know, I, I stepped forward and, you know, against all odds, you know, didn't say nothing, was kind of like resilient towards fear still went and done my thing mm-hmm. and that's what's one of the biggest attributes that I'll take away from that so with with him doing it um, yeah it's a tough life <laughs> you can't you can't hide it it's a tough life in every way shape or form um, but listen there's going to be times where I'm going to have to kind of like have this conversation with him I've already thought about it when he gets older and he's in school and there might be a, a YouTube video of someone saying, oh, there's your dad there. She's one of the sickest cats ever. There also might be another kid showing him a YouTube video. Oh, there's your dad there getting knocked out. How about that? Mm. I've got to deal with that. But i also got to help help him and make him understand that. So it's like the highs and the lows. It just goes to show how life is, you know. Yeah. You, you, you can't. It's not all going to be plain sailing. Um, and it's it's all about the way that we come back and, you know, we stand up, we move, move forward, we, we stay strong and stuff. And I think ultimately that's going to be the, the thing that's going to help him understand the most, you know? Yeah, of course. On that subject then, you obviously, uh, for the first time in your career, you've just had back-to-back defeats. Mm-hmm. I know that hurts. I know you well enough to know that. Keeps yeah. you up at night. Yeah, yeah, But how is it in your mind now? Where, where, you know, where, where's your headspace at at the moment? Um, for me, I had to come back from the US. Um, nothing changes as far as my team and things like that because a lot of people I, I know you know yourself within the game you know they might get a couple of losses or they feel that something's not working so they need to change it now what what is within them fights you could you can, you can start to break it down you can look at it a million million and one ways I've got two losses now back to back that's actually the first time between my like boxing career and my MMA that I've had this it's a very very hard pill to swallow because I'm thinking to myself alright right, when you're this old you've got this going on you're in your career how, how do you do, deal with this now you know what I mean? You need to prove something. You've got to come back. But the truth of the matter is, is like, I don't need to prove nothing. I've done absolutely everything to get myself here and to do what I've done. But there's also something which is burning deep inside me, burning that deeper than, and, 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 and hotter than it ever has done. And for me, it's like, I need to prove to myself something. Um, and it's not even so much about all the externals now on the outside. So, like I say, it's a hard pill to swallow. First fight, you know, we had that that controversy that went on, and I never ever wanted to be a part of that as a, as a fighter and the, t- the style of fighter that I am. I've I've just wanted to be straight, clean cut, yeah. you know, win, lose or draw. I, I want that, you know what I mean. Um, and then the second fight, but that wasn't your mis- that wasn't your problem though. That was a referee made a mistake. Yeah, the referee made a mistake. He stopped the fight. Yeah. So he claimed he'd heard a visual tap. Yeah, you know, so you can't beat yourself up for that. Because the fight had turned. Yeah. By the way, the fight had turned. Then it looked like, if anything, you were about to win the fight. You were yeah. about to get the stoppage. Yeah. Do you know what? You you can. I said this last time as well. You can, you can feel a lot of physical and emotional stuff going on in the cage when you're with someone. You can feel that. Trust me, because it's like if you and that person, 
and it's like an unspoken language but yeah. you, you, your, your physical point of your physical attributes you can just feel you know when the other person's fading yeah. you know when they don't want to know you know when they're looking for a way I, for me in, in that fight that submission attempt I knew in the back of my head that was his last yeah it's the roll of the dice oh, basically definitely 100% yeah. and then after that he was gassed he was done so it was a case of me just sticking on top of the grinding pine and that fight was done because he would have got to a stage where he couldn't defend himself smartly enough you know before the ref would have jumped in um, so it was frustrating on that part um, do you blame the referee now looking back I do and I don't now because I know, I know on a night back at the fighter hotel in London at UFC London yeah you were really upset and I you know and, and I understood why of course and I know you were speaking to Mark Goddard about it at length Mark Goddard wasn't the referee on the night let's make that clear but you were speaking to Mark and Mark's probably the most experienced referee in Europe yeah. and you ask him for his his opinions but you know, as as time has gone by, do you still see it as the referee's problem, or have you kind of gone? You know what? I'll take it. I'll take that on board. Whatever. Because yeah. why did the rematch not happen straight away with Claudio Silver anyway? Easiest way to put it: the UFC didn't want to give him the fight. Um, because I'm sure you were banging on doors. Yeah, I was. I, I wanted to fight him in Brazil, like three or four weeks later. I don't gonna give a fuck about that. Like, just put a straight on it. Let us go straight there. Let us mm-hmm. just dance. Um, and I, I'd even said to him as well, like, we can do that. Um, at the time, ring up the UFC, speak to them about it. Um, and yeah, I think the easiest way to put it is he just didn't want, didn't want him to have it. Didn't want, you know, me to even go in for it. They're like, Danny, you didn't lose that fight. As much as what, you know, it went on and it showed that we know that you didn't lose that fight. I'm like, yeah, but still on my record moving forward. All right. You know, in two years time, everyone still for, kind of forgets about that. Did you look at my record and see that loss? Yeah. I don't want that. I want to avenge it. I want to smash this guy's head in and even into the point where like I know that it's not even going to be a free round dance anymore I know what I need to do to blitz this guy in, in, in less than five minutes you know um, but nah it just got it got denied it got turned down give me a quick turnover obviously um, due to the frustration and being so fresh after that fight um, so yeah I just wanted to let his face heal and then just for me to open his face back up in Brazil or something like that but didn't happen yeah. Um, there's nothing we can we can do or say about it moving forward it's just one of them yeah but the UFC are hot at the moment on trying to overturn results I know this week there's a lot of talk, there's a lot of talk in Vegas about them trying to overturn John Jones's one loss the DQ to Matt Hamill they're trying to get that changed now I don't see what the difference is here the referee made a bad call listen everyone makes mistakes Yeah, such as life but oh. if he makes a mistake someone should just look at it and go you know what quite clearly there was no verbal tap the referee's made a mistake he's held his hands up Make it a no contest. Done. Yeah. Simple. Yeah, well, I, I I came away from it and you obviously straight away you're going to get the, the back and forth, the ups and downs. I got a little bit emotional in the cage after and all that. People don't understand, you know, again, the type of sacrifices. It's a solo trip that we do. So each and every single one of us are going to feel that our, uh, uniquely ourselves. And for me, you know, that whole kind of you get one check, you win. Uh, sorry, you get one check, you lose. You get two checks, you win. Yeah. I've got a family to feed, man. Like, don't, don't try and take that away from me. For the referee to do that, that's what then makes it so hostile from the fighter towards the referee. Because you've just took half my money away. Yeah, yeah. People don't, they don't understand that still. Of course. That person sat up on, on, on you know, row 61F or whatever, they, don't, they haven't got a clue to that kind of dynamic. And then when you're talking about the, the, when you only get paid once or twice, three times a year, and then the money that you put on the table and knowing, knowing after you pay percentages and... Yo, listen, that's serious. That's our job. You know, yeah, yeah. we gotta make sure that we want we, we, we get that. So yeah, straight after I, all I wanted to do was you know what I mean? I'm looking at the ref and thinking, well, I can't even believe that's even happened, you've made that decision. Now, again I watched the replay and I could see Claudio like speaking. And it looks like he's saying something, and I can remember in the fight him actually talking. You know, he's he's tapped, he's tapped, but he's talking to the ref, the ref can't see me. I'm on the other side, I'm transitioning to get out of exactly. the armbar. That's the whole point. Yeah. The was, move you were doing was to get out of the armbar. Stepping over the body. Yeah. Stepping over the body, roll, and then I could I can bend my arm. As soon as I could bend my arm, there was nothing gone. So I managed to get round to the position and my arm was like this at the point when the refs jumped in to you know, it's like it's like bend. It was so it was it was kinda of like a little bit of a weird one. When he, when he tapped and he, he he like touched both of us and went, Yep, yeah, yeah, it's done, it's over. I, I was like, I just couldn't bend my head around what had just happened and then I seen Claudio get up and celebrate and then I was on oh shit so then you realised then Claudio had yeah. obviously got into the referees yeah, because yeah, yeah. listen with all due respect you were in worse positions earlier in the fight that, no, that's, that's one of the biggest most frustrating things and that was like we knew, we knew what this guy was 
Yep. He, you know what I mean? Uh, world level, level of BJJ expert. He's, he competes ADCCs, all that kind of stuff. Um, and he is very, very like, you know what I mean? He's good. He specialises in what he does. The positions that we was in, as much as troubling that might look to the average fan and, and the average person sitting there, anyone that knows me knows I was just resting. I was chilling. And it wasn't necessarily a case of me knowing that I'll go in there and I was going to beat a jiu-jitsu expert at jiu-jitsu. It was a case of me understanding that when them, them moments come, I'm just going to be a certain type of way that he cannot get his own way with me. Mm-hmm. As soon as he has that, then what you're doing is you're taking a man's strength and you're turning it into one of his weaknesses. As soon as you've done that, you've beat that mental battle. Mm-hmm. You've taken away that edge. And that's what I was doing with him bit by bit. So like I say, the head and arms that he had, that, that they, they were on. Don't get me wrong. But I just managed to position my body in the right way. So all of a sudden we got a high level jujitsu expert who cannot do something to somebody who isn't as good as him. And that's going to make him worry. That's going to make him feel troubled and alarmed. Yeah. That's what I wanted to create. And we did that. You could start to see, as soon as we stand up, I just ping him once. He dropped to the floor and he, he just looked like a big bag of winds just emptied out of him. You know what I mean? He didn't yeah. want to know. So there was a plan to that and the plan was paying off. It was The plan was absolutely paying off because as I say, the fight had turned. Mm. Everyone could see that at cage side. That's why the atmosphere had just gone absolutely electric because... It was. It seemed to be one-sided early on because he got the takedown, and it was like, oh, okay. But then, one attempt, two attempt, three attempt, and you're like, okay, Dan's surviving all these, mm. and then boom, when it gets back to the feet, it's a, it's completely one-sided the other way now. Yeah, that that was the most frustrating thing. I think there's something like that happens early on, then you just go, oh, it's a bad call by the referee. But it, it's even worse because you've the, se- you've been on this journey of the fight. Yeah, everyone's engaged in the fight because they're like, so in the end. No matter, I don't care who was in there rooting for Cloudio because he's based in London anyway. So it was it was a 50-50 crowd anyway. Yeah, it's basically yeah. two effectively British guys because he's, he's lived here a long time. But by the end of it, everyone was rooting for you. It's like the Rocky story. It was like, yeah. come on, son, you've survived all that. And now the fight's turned. <laughs> uh, I think that's why why everyone was upset and people were booing and all that kind of stuff as well. We were robbed of the fairy tale ending yeah. that you've worked hard so hard for. Well, I, I, I looked at it, came away, looked at the fight. And without a shadow of diet, like you gotta understand, if I were to come away, which I I honestly do believe and I feel, that last thirty seconds, right? If I would have had the opportunity to stop that kid, or well, no, in fact, I had two minutes left in that yeah, fight. Yeah, I was gonna say more than that. Two minutes left, yeah. After the next thirty seconds, you're done. So if I'd have had the opportunity to finish him in that third round, I'd have been fighting tonight. We would have got another bonus right there. Yeah. So it's like potentially with the, what the ref decided to do, it doesn't take away just one check. Takes away your bonus, takes away like the the, the, big check. the creme de la creme to, to what you do. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I come away and I, I like I feel burnt. See the post on the, on Dana White's thing, I'm like, shit, what do I do here? Yeah. Alright, do I appeal to someone? Do I try and get this overturned or this, that, and the other? But understanding the way the commission and all that works, all that again just makes it a lot more complicated, you know? Um so yeah, we did kind of try and get something sorted, but just bit the bullet and do what Danny Roberts does best and you know, just stand there with his chin up and his his chest out and keep walking forward bravely just fuck it you know what I mean did you did you carry some of that those frustrations and disappointments into the Michael Pereira fight yeah was it still on your mind yeah you could tell yeah do you know what someone I I I, uh, I get a lot of messages on, on social media right and I actually had one from a kid um, some random kid um, over in the States no South America and he sent me a message just like right I'm a big big fan of you da 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 but he more or less broke me down. And when he broke me down, it was scary because, like, he had just said to me, like, from, from the second I had seen you from before in one of your interviews to the way you walked out and then there was something in your eyes and all that, I could see this with your body language. You just weren't you weren't in it. And I already knew that it was going to be a bad night for you and I wish you just didn't take that fight. And I'm, like, looking at it and the way that he, the, the analogy of how he's broke me down, I'm like, yo, let me just have a quick look. I looked at it and I could see what he could see. I was like, I'm, I'm, I, I'm no body language expert, but okay, now the, the statement what this kid's saying to me, like, it is actually making sense. Like, wow. Okay. Wow. What was he saying? Just kind of like I was caught up in a sense that as much as you see a fighter in a fight and that fighter zone in to do that one job and only that one job only, it's like everything else around that with me was like my mind was elsewhere. It wasn't exactly where it should be, which was in in that moment, you know. Um, in the now, it was it it was elsewhere, and at that time, I can remember specifically what the fuck was going through my head. Yeah. So when I was stood in the cage, when I was on the steps, and I normally put my head down and like I, I have a little couple of seconds before I stand up, put my hands out to the crowd, and then go in and enter the cage. I remember not even being in the arena, 
So then when I come in to fight this guy, it was like, the easiest way to put it was I was too relaxed. Mm. You know, when people say fear is, is a good thing to have because it gives you that edge. The edge, what it gives you is that extra alertness, that extra sharpness, that, that, that stiff kind of structure where you stand there and you're ready no matter what comes. Within a, within a, a like a, a millisecond, your body's prepared to take it. When you don't have that in place, you don't have that. So you need to have fear installed as much as you are kind of ready for a fight. They both kind of are like two things that have, you know, this crazy synergy towards working you to success, towards winning. And if one of them's missing, whether it be fear or whether it be you being ready mentally and physically, then, you know, it's, they, they kind of fall apart. Yeah. And that's, that's what I felt within the fight. There was, there was too much just a half ass relaxedness for me, like with just letting the guy dance around and do all the crazy shit that he was doing. Like I should not, I should, the, the, the savage in me says, right, I'm going to jump on you and I'm going to pull you apart. And that, that, that would have happened elsewhere on a, on a, on a different day. So when I come away, I only criticize myself about that performance. And even though it was short lived and it was like, it was one of the things, boom, on the spur of a moment, it can happen to anyone. Okay. But there still is things that you know that within yourself personally, with who you are and with the journey that you've been on with all the fights that you've had of how you could have overcome that yeah and that was that was me just basically standing by and watching some clients do the things that he wanted to do and then he caught me with a shot he's explosive he's big the things we've seen on the fight tape like these are what we want to stay away from these are things we need to make sure that he you know he's guaranteed the playoff that flying knee coming down landing the backhand the only big shot he's got is his backhand we fall into the trap flying knee backhand oh my god so all you can do is come away from it, and no, not again. Nothing prepares you for that. Of course. So when I was in my in my in my um, hotel room and all week leading up to that fight, fight week, I'm winning. I'm not losing. There's nothing else that's going. You know that is, it doesn't it doesn't even come into your head. So when you, you're in the cage in the moment when all that's going down and you have to actually come to rea- you know face reality there and then in the cage in the moment when the lights are on you, it's 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 a mad experience, proper crazy experience come away from me and you're like oh oh shit all right cool now i need i need to just just chill a minute and just you know just have a little bit of time to myself because there's, there's no one else that can give you the answers yeah no no one can you have to like you have to find them you know yeah is that what the last few weeks have been about just having a break have you switched off have you you know have you stopped watching mma have you stopped it have you come back home you've kind of you know decharged from it all yeah well there's a couple of things that i've i've needed to do personally and nick i'll tell you this this is this is like I swear on all honesty, um, that whole thing and what people say when you win, you know, you have a lot of people that are around you. When you lose, you have a lot of people that fall off. That is one. That is some true shit. Like I, I, I could. It couldn't be any more accurate. Like I've had, I've had two, two fights here back to back where I've lost, and not like the core substance of 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 the people that I've got around me that are good people. You know, they send me messages or they're the people that have took time out of the time that's not convenient for their time to, yeah. to come and see me or to speak to me to pick up the phone and I appreciate them and like I say this whole journey something that it does which is miraculous and it is a crazy thing because when you win you don't you don't necessarily see like the pureness of what people have for you when you lose and you're on rock bottom the people that come up to you and will say something or the people that will show that they're there for you, your family your friends your loved ones and that they will show that in abundance and it will excel and it will also make you realise the shit that you do have, which is real. Yeah. Everything else around that is, you know, it's just there. It can be, it can be taken away within a split second, and it's, um, it's fickle, you know. That's the easy way to put it. It's fickle. So coming home after this, the things that have gone on, and understanding like a little bit of structure in the right way, um, towards my personal life, being settled, um, they're they're the small things that I've needed. And I've really kind of honed in on them. I can feel it. I can feel the love from the people that it matters most. Um, it's changed my view, which will ultimately change the dynamic to the way that I live my life now moving forward. Um, definitely on the, on the social side, keeping the circle small, um, understanding time. Time's a big, big thing. So when I come back here to the UK, I only have it, you know, in 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 small small collective handfuls like I can't I can't be giving it to everyone just for the sake it's, it's, it's the value of my time when I come back here is, is so much higher than what it is when I'm in the States you know when I'm, I've only got one job one job only which is just to go and train no responsibilities um, when I come back here it has to be real regimented so it's kind of like I see it for what it is I get it I've also understood this journey to the, to the maximum now I'm a veteran 
you know, I've had nine fights in the UFC now. Um, so I also understand that this is this is this is this is where we're at. This is what now what we have as a platform and where we move forward. So th- there is no there is no going back. There is no going down. There is no like you know, kind of me crumbling away from this. Everything now is just going to be up, but it's going to be kind of fueled with a new focus. Yeah. Um, and my focus, like I say, is having the 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 truest kind of like truest form of energy which is I'm I'm getting the real the realest love from some of the people that are around me that I've needed for fucking years I just haven't seen it I've been so so self-driven and self-centered towards getting something that I've needed to get for myself and my family that I haven't understood how much you know other people around me actually do appreciate me and I've wanted me to to know that and it's took times like this to be able to see it so I'm grateful for, for that more so than I'm grateful for the average win because you know apart from putting an extra bit of money in my back pocket it doesn't. It doesn't show me what stuff's gonna be here when once all the fight game's done. Yeah. You know, so it's like again, what's real and what's not. Being able to understand the levels to it. Are you still enjoying the journey? You're still loving the lifestyle and everything about it. Yeah, yeah. The lifestyle, everything about it's crazy. <laughs> and to be fair, it's like not knowing my ass from my elbow is something that I actually like. <laughs> I'm like, all right, cool. I'll take. I'll take that. I'll take that all day long. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm loving the spontaneous lifestyle still, being able to have training camps away and then, and then come back here, my, my work, my business, I'm in the studio with you today. I'm going to be up in Manchester. I'm down on Friday training, some, uh, down in London on Friday training, some comedian. Um, and then we're going to be doing something on BT Sports, going down to train with Kel Brook and, and do some boxing down there with them. Um, so I, I I love, I love that. I, I'm a people person. Again, I love to meet new people. Um, but like I say, now understanding that, and understanding where my time's at, it's still regimented, you know. So I'm, it's only going to be put to the people that that, that kind of need it or deserve it, you know. Yeah. Do you feel um, yourself getting pulled here, there, and everywhere a little bit sometimes? Is that why you've had to really try and regiment your time back in the UK? Because everybody wants a piece of you. Yeah, but I again with the with the wins and wins and losses, I understand that more so. And what people need to understand is like you, you've got you've got someone who's a winner in life, yeah, and they have this this big aura of light shining down on them. Now, naturally, people feel compelled towards other people's light. Whether, whether or not you understand that or not, your, your body will say to you, your mind will say to you, like, I'm going to go, this person's doing something right in life. I'm going to go and stand next to them so I can, I can at least feel or, you know, have some sort of appreciation or understand what they're doing right so I can then help myself in my own life. Well, in actual fact, sometimes when people come into that light, they absorb it. They take it away from you in a sense, not that you can't, you can't recoup it, you can't recover from it, mm-hmm. but just they will take time, energy and effort. So that big bright light that you had, you know, it kind of, it can be, it can be dimmed very quick. Um, and it's not, it's not even necessarily people saying that they're directly using you in any way, shape or form. It might even just be like, you know, somebody asking for one or two favours more so than, than, than what is reciprocated, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's, for me, it's, it's, it's about energies and it's also about kind of um, the value with that, you know, and everyone, everyone has a different value that they bring. It's also understanding which ones are good for you and which ones aren't. You know, there's certain things that attributes that other people might have, and they come and stand next to me, that has nothing to do with my life, and there's there's nothing also that, you know, you you, you can benefit me with. So, it, it, without being you know nasty or cruel about it, we're just on different paths. And if that is the case, I can speak to you. I can say hello. We can have a brief conversation. But understand, I'm not going to sit down and go for a meal with you, or yeah, yeah. you know, I'm going to start telling you my life story and that because it's not about that. Of course, you know. How big an influence, because hearing you speak about energy and stuff like that, now I've interviewed Vita Belfort many times in the past and why he's, why he's very religious. Mm. A, lot, a lot of his world is, is, you know, positive influences, visualisation, you know, sounds very similar. People like Vitor and Rashad, people like this, veterans of the game that you've been lucky enough to train alongside and, and call teammates. How big has that influence been? And so, really, the move to America is so much more than just... Training. the best coach and the yeah. best training partners it's been able to speak to people like Rashad who yeah. have been there done it wore the t-shirt pioneered the whole game yeah. has that been a big influence on you mentally as well yeah massively massively um, but it's, it's, again it's like you just said then it's, it's the, the stuff that people don't see so they know that I go and train they know I train alongside you know everyone's seen Instagram and then videos go up on YouTube or whatever on Twitter so they understand the dynamic of the people that you see in front of, of them you know I, I, you got you got Danny on on the mat here with da, 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 from the UFC from Bellator. You know you got these coaches are world renowned, 
but they don't see the other things when the cameras are off. Now, for me, Rashad was at um, Rochester. Mm-hmm. He trained with me. He kind of implemented certain things and understand within within the game. Um, but more so, bigger than anything else, that I would say that I've got from someone like Rashad, um, who is I, I I I call him a brother. You know what I mean? He's 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 like he's probably my biggest inspiration as far as the MMA comes. Um, and looking at someone who has walked the walk and and, and done it, you know. Um, Real inspirational, real humble guy. And he's like, I see a lot of myself in you. Um, you're violent. You're somebody who goes out and you can see it in your eyes. Like when you're actually, you know, putting it in on someone, you can you can see it's like, you know, it's, it's a real violent kind of brutal thing that you're trying to put across to someone because you want you want you want to be better. You want to become something. And I'm like, yeah, that, 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 that is all it is. You know, I've. I've I'm fed up with being fucking nothing. Like I, I want, I, I said that to myself when I was a kid, and here I am trying to produce something, and I, I still have the same mindset, which has been ingrained in me because it's part of my persona. That's who I am. Can't change it. So then, like I say, he just has real kind of humbling conversations when you sit that stood there, and this was after, this was even after the fight had finished, and he said like, you know, don't don't stop being who you are. You just need to re- refine a couple of things so you can understand better going into this because. From my point of view, I can see that your mind's too stuck on other things as much as what it should be here with us, you know what I mean? So I'm like, all right, cool. That's something for me to, to, to come away and to have a little look at. And like I say, as far as who he is, and, you know, he doesn't need to speak to me. He's got a million and one other things to do. Again, me telling you and understanding what's what. He's just somebody who likes to also give to the right people. So it's 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 nice and humbling for me on that side to think that I'm somebody who he wants to choose to give some time like that towards. So, yeah, I, I really appreciate it for someone like him. Um, Vitor's exactly the same. He's someone who's, when he's in the gym, uh, he'll, he'll train with you and he'll, he'll go through a few little attributes. Again, me being cyborg, being um, being somebody who's, who's, who is violent, who likes to strike and stuff, he will implement a lot of them little little tactics, little, little things, you know, and he's a real spiritual guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Vitor, he's deep on the shard. Rashad's one of them guys that when you meet him, when you're lucky enough to spend time in his company, as you were saying before about, he's like, he's like I compare him to <clears throat> people like Mike Tyson and, and things like that, in that he walks into a room, he commands the room straight away, his energy, it's like he's got a ready back glow, remember that advert with the ready black, <laughs> the kids would eat the ready black on yeah. winter's day and go up and he'd have an orange glow around yeah, him. Yeah. For me, Kenny Dalglish had it as well, you know, it, different sportsmen have this attribute and Rashad has one million percent got that, you know, he's just one of them people that you want to be around and I think you've got that attribute in a lot of ways. So, do you, do you feel like like Rashad shared with you when when you're a guy making his way in the UFC? Do you feel like you've got a responsibility now in five six years time when your time with the UFC is coming to an end? Do you feel responsible to to do the same for the next generation? Yeah, definitely. And I, I feel like you know for everything that I've gone through on my personal path, um, again, it's a level of understanding. You know, I've done it. I understand the struggle. I've, I've, you know, at times where I've been on my own, most times been on my own, I've had to struggle and go through certain things on my own, but it's an understanding. And that understanding can come from people that have already done that and that have already walked the walk. So um, to have that attribute then brought across and, and kind of put towards me, is, yeah, I understand it. I, I would only go across and try to push it onto other affluent, you know what I mean? younger athletes that were trying to do something or come up in the game because certain things are due to experience and that knowledge will come from, you know, a little bit of, 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 of age of, of kind of like, you know, experience of being in that field and you can't, you can't replace that experience. You can't, you can't buy it, you know. You need to have someone who's actually done it. Yeah. Richard's one of them cats. Sooner or later, hopefully, I'm going to be one of them cats and like I, I, I would hopefully, like I say, I, I definitely would tell kids or anyone that was struggling or I would have something ployed out ready for him to pick it up and move forward with you know yeah when when's when are you next in Florida where do you call home at the moment anyway Dan because you spend so much time in Florida do you call Florida home now <laughs> is Liverpool home is Bristol home I don't know <laughs> Earth is home <laughs> yeah <laughs> the planet Earth's home um, no I'm I, here's home here's home like I'm actually making the Transition at the moment to be here a lot more. So before I was speaking to you, there's a few different gyms I'm going to, um, doing some training in different places and just getting some connections with people here in the UK. 
Um, it's not as straightforward as America, where I'm fortunate and lucky enough to go to one facility, have some of the best in the world there, some of the best coaches. Um, but I can get it here. You can get it in the UK. You just need to travel a little bit. You need to be dedicated. And I'm going to have to be my own boss and make sure I'm on top of stuff like that. Now, my son is going to be four soon. Um, I've had a lot of time away. So I'm also understanding exactly where I'm at. You know, the 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 kind of the people, the bodies that I have around me and just what can be built, what's capable. I, I've seen it all now. I've been in the UFC. I've seen the people that, I've seen the way they train backstage. I've seen what people do fight week. I've seen how we do the weight cuts. I've also took what I've took from one of the best gyms in the world and educated myself. So I take that education away. I'm here right now, but I know so many elements of what we've done over there from my nutrition to my training to my strength and conditioning to my coaching that I bring back here mm-hmm. and I still have with me and I'll have till I've finished this sport. Um, it sounds like you're, you're thinking about leaving Florida behind then and moving forward, just doing your camps in the UK? Not necessarily leaving it, just spending a hell of a lot more time at home. I know as a, as a UK athlete as well, when, when I'm back home, I'm able to do a lot more stuff. I'm able to put myself uh, in a lot more places. So I think that's kind of profitable mm-hmm. as well. Um, for business and for, for your personal, you know, profile. Um, but ultimately, I also know what I get and what the US has to offer for me. And that's high intensity, you know, high level skill set, partners, training partners. So um, everything as far as my fight camps and stuff like that, yeah, I'm still going to be going back to the States and I'll be sharpening up out there and all that. But I'm also going to be doing a lot of instructional learning development here in the UK and, you know, traveling a little bit. I'm going to a few different gyms. Even if I jump on a plane and go to another gym, I'll be doing that. But um, yeah, I'm going to be getting a, a majority of my training here, then going out to the States, and I will be still part of Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks, they are my family and my team. And I'll be going there and I'll be doing, you know, getting ready for my fights out there. But a lot of stuff, I'm still going to be here because I need. I, I feel like I need to be here, you know? Yeah, of course. For my own sanity. And also, I feel like when we were talking about the losses, back-to-back losses before and just the things that come into this fight game and the way that you may feel that then have, have a knock-on effect to your career, this is something that I feel is an element that can produce major, major things because the elements that I had that have kind of drifted away, I had when I was in Cage Warriors. I was 6-0 in Cage Warriors. Now, not not to say that the competition level is anywhere near as stiff, but at the time when I was in Cage Warriors, like there was some stiff competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I say, it was something where I was just, just wiping people out and having some fun in there, you know? And it was a whole different thought process that, that, that went with it. I feel like I'm gaining that and I'm getting that back. Um, and it's not like anything's been missing. Again, it's just the dynamic of things. Just need, just switching up a little bit, you know? Yeah. Let's talk about... Before I let you go, I want to talk about UFC that's coming up this weekend. Um, before we talk about the main card, of course, John Jones, main main event, Amanda Nunes on there. But you touched on it then on Friday night. Our boy Rashad gets put in the UFC Hall of Fame, long overdue. The work he's done for the UFC, not just inside, but certainly outside the octagon, deserves Hall of Fame status. But also Michael Bisping's in our Hall of Fame. And I think as a British athlete, I think you've got to appreciate what Michael Bisping achieved in the sport he didn't open the door he kicked the doors open didn't he for yeah. British fighters yeah 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 as rough as he possibly could <laughs> he's done the East, he's done everything um, for British fighters and, and it's something to, to stand up and take note you know the guy's active he's, he's, he's got uh, fingers in all pies and he still is like doing as many things as he can do so I, I remember training Michael Bisping before I when I was boxing Tony Moran was on the mat Dan and Wolfsley and I remember getting involved and going down to Sparham after he had the fight and he had the loss to Dan Anderson mm-hmm. and it was my first kind of eye opener to, to how MMA was and, and that kind of world and stuff and I remember seeing Bisping and having a chat with him and understanding the person who he was at the time compared to who he is now are two completely different people but he still always had one thing that prevailed and that was that hard work that ethic that, that same thing that I was saying that I seen in myself when I was young and I still you know, still still have that. Same thing that I want to pass over to my son and to say, this is the one thing that's going to make you something, no matter what it is you choose to do. Well, Bisping, like, that's, I say that's the one thing that has always prevailed. And now you, you look at the guy, again, he shows that winning losses, nothing defines you. It's just, it's just all about the end, the end result, the end picture, and sort of the way that you can brush yourself off. He epitomises that to the highest order, you know what I mean? Um, and it's amazing to see. 
he's transitioned as well in the US over to become a TV anchor, an analyst, and everything else. Is that killing, he's is killing, that he's killing it. He's killing it. doing is that something you'd love? Because I've seen you do TV work before, and you obviously you're made for it. But is that something you'd like to pursue, or are you more going down the coaching side? Do you think? Um, no, I, I, I would. There's more. There's more relevance in the sense of you being on the on the um, the whole kind of TV side, and you know, um, promoting or whatever. Um, for me, yeah. I, I, I would I would choose I would like to do something like that just because it's more it's more suited to dance to, to who I am again like I was saying about being a people person being able to talk being being liking to talk is something that you know it's definitely it's definitely something I'd like to pursue you know um, just when the time's right of course yeah. main event Saturday night John Jones versus Thiago Santos where do you at with John Jones you know, has, has his legacy been tarnished? Do you think he's the GOAT? Do you think, he, you know, where do you put him in your own personal rankings in terms of fighting? Um, we're all human. Um, so, like, as far as his mistakes and stuff like that and all the madness has gone on, that you may say that conflicts with his career and who he is. It's one of them. He's a human being, so I, I, I can't, I'm not going to say anything about that, you know. Um, as far as him and who he has, it isn't as a He's 31. Come on, if I was going to call him an old man, I'm calling myself an old man. The guy's 31, he's no joke. Been on the mat, he's beat all, all, the best that there is to beat and he's done it time and time again. You know, he, he had a, a subliminal reign, he disappeared and now he's come back and he's looking to wipe out everything again. Like, And he's, he's, he's doing it up until now. Now, Santos, that was the one fight that I turned around and said a while back. I think we might have had like an... Uh, uh, interview uh, Fight Disciples a while ago yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking about that fight I was like yo th this is one of the biggest explosive guys that I've ever seen if he goes at him it's going to be a firefight understand these guys are going to have a tear up okay. alright so looking at it I'm like we all know John Jones like the more the more pressure you put on someone like him the better skill comes out of the guy and we're going to see some crazy stuff and I, yeah, it's, it's a fight that I'm I'm fully fully excited for. But my money's on Jones, like yeah. What Jones loves to do is beat people after their own game. Yeah, which makes it so exciting because Thiago Santos only got one game and that's trying to knock you out. Yeah. So I I think they're going to be swinging for the fences. Obviously, I think Santos going to be swinging for the fences. But I think John Jones has just overcome Anthony Smith, who's again similar style, big puncher, big hitter. I just think John Jones is going to turn back the clock and light him up. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I even said on Fight Disciples earlier this week, <laughs> check their mods on a Thiago Santos knockout because if their mods are big, yeah. it's worth it. It's worth yeah, it. Nah, you, you're right. I bet they're not though. No, no. I, yeah. bet, I bet you they're not. I bet you they're not. Like, you know, you know, stereotypically with the bookies and that, especially with the MMA game, they don't give you nothing good. No. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we've, seen, um, we've seen the odds for, um, what's his face? What am I thinking of? AJ. When AJ fought in the boxing, yeah, yeah it was like, oh my god! You see what the, the odds were? I, I seen someone, someone had put like a hundred pound on, on for him to knock him out in the round that he did, and they got something crazy back, you know, something crazy. I think it was like hundred twenty to one or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, is, is that real? We don't. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know bookmakers ever even give them odds. It's like saying like, yeah, we're gonna make you rich if you get this one. Yeah, um, that bookmaker is now unemployed, by the way. <laughs> is it? I bet it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to ask you about, um, personally, I think Amanda Nunes is, is a superstar just waiting to happen. I don't know why yeah. the UFC haven't got behind. Hearing her story with Nina, the, the ultimate love story in the UFC, it's incredible. Uh, and I think she'll be too aggressive, too strong, too bullish for, for Holly Holm. But I do specifically want to ask you about Luke Rockhold, because Luke Rockhold's been spending a lot of time in your gym mm -hmm. with your coaches. He moves up to light heavyweight here. Um, have you seen much of him in the gym you know training wise yeah um, throughout my whole fight camp just gone um, you know he's in the gym and he's he's in pre-fight camp so he's getting himself ready to then obviously you know ex execute his, his heavy six eight weeks or whatever before he goes in against Jan um, Jan's no joke man nah he that, isn't that, fighting a ranked guy with your nah. first fight in the new weight division he's, he's good everywhere as well and the guy comes for the weight that he's at he comes with a lot of tempo as well yep. that's one thing I noticed when I seen him in Jimmy fought, uh, fight sorry um, that was that was something that I noticed that he, he done to like again a high degree it was just like he kept coming forward he likes to come up with these little combinations the blasts and stuff like that good wrestling defence good take downs himself um, so it's something that I know that with Luke being in the gym and seeing him train and stuff. Listen, I haven't seen the guy train for fights prior. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
we saying about Romero, he was in the gym for a few weeks doing some bits with Henry before he went out and fought this guy. Um, I haven't seen him fully execute a camp with us until now. So for me, it's, it's, he's moved up a weight category. It's all about kind of playing the game, but also for Luke to be on point. We've all seen Luke Rockhold shine before in the past. And I think he's one of the most all-round skilled MMA athletes that there are. When he's on, he's on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, when he's on, when he's on. When he's on, he's on. So I, I kind of like, I'm standing there with my hands up and I want him to be on, you know. I'm hoping that he's going to be on because the way I've seen him in the gym, he's been on. We just know obviously what Jan's like and he's got a, he's got, he's got a tough fight ahead of him. Um, and I think everyone can be honest about that and they know that that's the truth, you know. And even the, even the guys in our gym, they know that's the truth. Um but yeah, I'm excited. If he beats I'm Jan and he, and he looks good against Jan, he probably gets the next shot at Jones. Yeah, well, that's the thing. He's got this... Because of the whole rivalry with AKA, the whole history with Cormier and all that stuff. Yeah. He'll probably get that fight. You think? I think so. I think, think, I think Johnny up? Walker's injured at the moment anyway. So I think Johnny Walker's probably the other guy, the other young guy that's coming through that looks like he's got... How many fights he had now? He's only three? had a couple, but he's looked sensational. Two or three, so. right? So he probably needs a bit of time. Yeah. Whereas Lockhold will probably bite your hand off for a title opportunity if he looks good against Jan. And that's easier said than done. Yeah. Jimmy did it first time around, but second time around, from the moment that fight was announced, I was like, this is a bad fight for Jimmy. Yeah. Jan part two. Yeah. That's the tough thing about rematches when you've started the guy first time around. You're like, okay, I'll just do the same again. Yeah, but yeah, the other yeah. guy's got a million things to work on. Of course. And they're going to be doing it so, with so much more intensity as well. Exactly. Yeah. I look, I look forward to that fight. You know, I'm, um, I'm back in loop for it. Um, you know what the crazy thing is? That guy's got a lot of hate, you know. Luke. Yeah. And being from the UK and, and traveling a lot and seeing the way that people are, like, you gotta understand that the guys that I train with or are part of my team, whether it be here in the UK or away in the States, I also get to see the the persona that's projected from you through through the TV and, and, and through video footage and everyone else gets to see what I'm seeing, right? Because yeah, yeah. it's 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 that kind of out of body experience. You're not you're not you know, you're not yourself, you're looking in at someone else. So I can do that. And as I'm doing that, it's like, I get to see the amount of love and hate that certain characters get. Darren Till gets a lot of love. Yeah, a, yeah. a lot of love, a lot, a lot, a lot of love. Hardly any hate. Mm-hmm. Someone like Luke Rockhold gets hate. Yeah, really hate. Yo, it's crazy the amount of hate this guy gets. So I come away and I, I, then, I then try to analyse it a little bit and I want to find out, like, so why do you hate this guy? <laughs> and they're like, oh, I just hate him. What do you mean? You just that's a, that's a strong word. If you're gonna yeah, say yeah. you hate someone, have a fuck. You have a reason. You can't just come in like that. Course. Guns blazing. Um. Well, it's just the way he comes across on the camp. I'm like, yo. So you don't you don't even know the guy because because he might be a little bit stum on a camera or something like that, or he comes across. Then they just write him off. It's that arrogance in it. I think that I He's think got that's that what it is. About him. Listen, if I look like Luke, Luke Rockhold, <laughs> I'd be an arrogant <laughs> motherfucker as well. Remember, after him blue and all that, yeah. <laughs> Telling you. Exactly, no. deal, no problem. I'd be exactly the same. But I get it. He, he did the um, he did the Bachelor, didn't he, in America? Yeah. He went on the Bachelor TV show, and apparently he was a complete dick. He was just trying to like sleep I, with all the girls. I and seen. All that kind no, of stuff, I remember. So. I remember seeing it by pure chance. And again, this was before I had ever met him and got to know him or anything like that. And I remember seeing it and thinking, what? Who's, who's this guy, man? What the <laughs> fuck's he up to? He playing crazy <laughs> games. And I remember it was it was it was the audacity of of just to kind of like. You know the, the the guy's persona. He sat there in front of the camera, and the way he was speaking, and he he was like slouched back in the chair, and it was like, yeah, I'm gonna take you. And in fact, the woman that was hosting it, the woman that was hosting the show, and was trying to get him to date one of the girls that she had hand selected and brought in. He turned around and was just like, so, you know, what's going on with you later on? <laughs> I was like, well, this guy, this guy's just taking on the production team as well. Uh, it was like that. That must have just wrote him off for, for a lot of people. Um, it doesn't matter whether they love you or they hate you, as long as they buy tickets, as long as they pay for that paper of you yeah that's my opinion yeah, yeah, on it you yeah. know what I mean it's yeah. like Luke Rockhold doesn't stay awake at night worrying about what's internet trolls no he stays awake at night thinking how much is in his bank balance of course and that's all he should oh, doesn't matter man you ain't there that, again Listen, that, that's reality isn't it exactly yeah. mate this is show business it ain't yeah. show friends <laughs> <laughs> show friends, boy. Listen, man, always a pleasure. Oh, Thank you Thank so you much for much. coming into the yeah. studio. I appreciate it. Enjoy your couple of t- um, your, your weeks off or whatever it may be. Do you think we'll get you back out before the end of the year or are we looking at 2020 now? Um, nah, you, I'm definitely going to be out before the end of the year. 100%. Yeah. Um, I've got, listen, I've got things to do. I've, I've got a plan. Um, and my plan comes within like, you know, me executing X amount of fights and this happening by this sort of date. Um, so, yeah. I'd say 
just after Christmas, you'll see me have have two fights between now and then. Um, I plan on being back at the end of September um, or beginning of October. Here right now, getting settled, getting some structure in certain places and certain things, and just just kind of like just zone in. I'm gonna add a few new tricks to the to the arsenal um, and just be able to. I'm an exciting fighter, and I feel like there's certain attributes to the way that I've been thinking most recently in fights that has kind of hindered me from held you re- back a little yeah bit. really really kind of let myself go and fucking, there's a million and one crazy things that I do and that I do in the gym that when people see it they're just like oh my god what just happened there yeah, but yeah. you know what I need to get them off and I need to get them out and fight so like I say it's just kind of um, feeling the freedom to let myself go and yeah the, the, the fear gives us the good edge but it's also something that if you think too much it can shut you down so I kind of just want to be able to yeah, zoning on them little attributes and let let them start to to really fly and fight. So that's that's something that I'm gonna be be working on. Looking forward to the to the next fight. And again, everyone knows what they're gonna get with me. It's never ever boring. Exactly. Come on, let them get out of the first. Every minute fight, fight of the night. Let's be honest. <laughs> always in a fight of the yeah. night. Listen, man. Again, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for oh, coming. Thank in. you. Thank you. And uh, let's catch up again soon. You've been listening to Fight Disciples. Coming up next week, we'll have all the fallout from UFC 239 in Las Vegas. Uh, will Johnny Jones again add to his legacy or will we all cash in with a massive shock from Tiago Santos? Find out Saturday night. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.